I'm Stephanie Lemick, and this is Building Trauma-Informed Workplaces. I'm excited today to talk about the next principle of trauma-informed workplaces, and this is a really important one, empowerment. As many of us know, at the core of traumatic experiences is a feeling of powerlessness, a lack of control and choice over what is happening to you or around you. And this feeling of helplessness can lead to lasting impacts on an individual's sense of self and power over their own lives. Because a feeling of lack of control or helplessness is so tied to trauma, empowerment is one of the most important principles for creating a trauma-informed workplace culture. Now, we often talk about terms that are pretty frequently used when it comes to the workplace, when it comes to, you know, talent management, things like that. Um, empowerment is certainly another one of those. So like most of the other terms, when we think about empowerment in the context of a trauma-informed workplace, we're looking at a more specific definition for the purposes of trauma-informed cultures. So empowerment in the context of trauma-informed workplace cultures is about more than just choice. It's also about environments where individuals feel valued and that they are making meaningful contributions. For that reason, when we look at the concept of empowerment in trauma-informed cultures, we want to look at four distinct parts. Choice, strengths leveraged, recognition, and growth. During our podcast today, we're going to spend time looking at these four components individually so we get a better understanding of empowerment as a principle of trauma-informed workplaces overall. We'll start with choice. Traumatic experiences remove choice and control. In environments that create space for individuals to make their own choices and to maintain or even regain a sense of controls over their lives and decisions are so important when it comes to empowerment and it comes to trauma recovery. It's also really a good idea to provide choice because every person's experience and needs are unique. And so when we provide choice, we enable everyone to make decisions based on their needs, preferences, and readiness. And it also promotes a sense of empowerment and ownership for individuals on our teams. I like to say that empowerment and ownership are a cousins. And when someone is looking for folks on their team to take more ownership, one of the best tools you can leverage is empowerment. And I also love that empowerment is one of the most important principles of trauma-informed workplaces to go along with that. So when we look at choice as a principle of empowerment or an aspect of empowerment, which is a, our principle overall here, we want to think about how we can find ways to create choice for our team members or create choice on our teams. Think about and ask yourself the question, how can you create choice for your team here? Like seriously, it really can be that simple. How can I create choice or how can I make this a choice? It can be really easy to misconstrue conversations around creating choice or empowerment at work to a, you know, idea of letting your team kind of have carte blanche, letting them do whatever they want. That's, that's not the goal here. Obviously, 
we are operating in the understanding that we want trauma-informed workplaces. Majority of our workplaces, we are working towards a goal. And we'll talk about a little bit later in this podcast, actually working towards that meaningful goal, working towards that meaningful contribution is an important aspect of empowerment. So creating choice isn't about letting people do whatever they want. It's about giving them a sense of ownership, um, a sense of empowerment, choice over what they're doing. So when you think about choice, don't think, hey, you can do whatever you want. It can be a choice of, you know, one or two options. It could be a choice in terms of how work gets accomplished or with who. So just think. How can I create choice in this moment? And really, that is an amazing way to start to infuse choice and empowerment into your work. What about when you can't offer choice? Let's be realistic. Choice is amazing. Choice is powerful. We want to provide opportunities for folks to have choice over how and when they do their work, what work they're doing not always the case. And honestly, sometimes you as a leader or a manager may not even have choice as it relates to how work is accomplished. So what can you do when choice is not an option? You know, there are two things I would look at when you're thinking about, hey, I want to provide empowerment. I want to provide choice to my team, but it's not available in this moment. There are a couple of things you can lean on. First, employee voice or employee feedback, employee listening, whatever you want to talk about or call it. Really what this is, is while you may not be able to create choice in a scenario, you can at least make space for individuals to voice their feedback concerns and other ideas related to the issue at hand. And you know, this might be a great way to crowdsource potential solutions or get additional feedback. It's also important, though, to be realistic and be transparent about what you can and can't do with the feedback they're offering. But making space for people to be heard is also empowering when choice is not an option. The next thing, and I hinted at it a little bit already, is transparency. Perhaps you're unable to offer a choice, but if you provide context around the why, things are happening or why choice is not an option, it can also be really helpful in creating a sense of empowerment. Um, You're creating a sense of understanding and taking time to offer explanations, and that can really minimize the negative effects that can result from a lack of choice. Before we move on to the next aspect of empowerment, just a really important reminder that providing choice isn't about letting people do whatever they want. That's not at all realistic. And we're almost never completely in control of situations or circumstances in our life. And that is also okay. What the key really is, is to strategically use choice to create autonomy and a sense of personal power among those you're working with, even among yourself. And that can also, again, be a powerful driver of ownership and commitment for your team or your organization overall as well. The next aspect of empowerment I wanna talk about is making sure strengths are leveraged. And as a Gallup certified Clifton Strengths coach, you know this is something I am super passionate about. Utilizing your strengths on a daily basis 
fosters a sense of self-efficacy, empowerment, and overall well-being. Also, if you are interested, I won't even try to do the amazing work that Gallup has already done in terms of outlining the benefits of strengths-based focuses, both to individuals and organizations overall, but the data is there and the data has been there for decades that a strengths-based approach to work and life really can have amazing benefits. So I am a huge, huge proponent of strengths-based approaches. And of course, my favorite tool is Clifton Strengths. You may know it as StrengthsFinder, but great work, great resources available through Gallup. Maybe we'll talk a little bit more um, about StrengthsFinder or Clifton Strengths in one of our future podcast episodes, but want to get back on track and focus on empowerment for today. So a strengths-based approach focuses on building resilience by identifying and leveraging individuals' existing strengths and resources, skills, knowledge, abilities. And according to the APA or American Psychological Association, resilience plays a crucial role in recovering from trauma and involves utilizing personal strengths to adapt and thrive in the face of adversity. So when we engage in activities that align with one's strengths, it can increase positive emotions, sense of purpose. As I mentioned, Gallup has done some amazing work around leveraging strengths. I am going to highlight just a couple of really powerful statistics. On average, companies have a 7% increase in employee engagement just by having employees engage in a strengths-based assessment. In this example, leveraging the Clifton Strengths Assessment. Organizations that keep the momentum going by committing to building strengths of each team member and weaving strengths-based approaches throughout their organization can see a 23% increase in employee engagement. And teams that receive strengths-based development achieve 19% increased sales, 29% increased profits, 59% fewer safety incidents, and 72% lower turnover. So if you are focused on driving trauma-informed workplaces, you're not sure where to start, you are in a very data-driven organization, empowerment and strengths-based approaches can be a really powerful tool because we have a trauma-informed ally like the Gallup organization providing all of this amazing data and research that they've conducted over the decades. It can be really easy to focus on like an assessment like Clifton Strengths, which yes, I am a huge fan of um, for a variety of reasons, but also from a strengths-based approach, maybe you don't have tools or resources or budget available to explore something like Clifton Strengths. It can be as simple as, you know, talking about strengths, um, the things your employees like to do, the work they feel they're the best at, and making sure they have an opportunity to do that work. So really focus on leveraging employee strengths, team member strengths each and every day so they can feel that self sense of self-efficacy. They can feel that kind of state of flow you may have heard of where they know they're doing something that they're good at. Um, and that sense of satisfaction that comes with it is an incredibly empowering feeling and experience that 
you know, unlike many of the principles of trauma-informed workplaces where we're working hard to create new trauma or prevent re-traumatization, strengths leverage, the sense of empowerment that that creates can actually work directly in support of trauma recovery, which is really powerful and really special. Um, so a great way to focus on creating empowerment for your team, that choice and then strengths leveraged. And, you know, one thing I will add is you also have to be focused on leveraging your own strengths. So a lot of being a trauma-informed leader, trauma-informed partner is starting with yourself. So remember to focus on how you can leverage your own strengths in this journey as well. And, you know, tools like Clifton Strengths can be helpful for this, or it can be as simple as, you know, self-reflection questions. I have an opportunity to do what I do best today. What was that? Or even reflecting on what is it that you do best and having that sense of understanding. You don't have to necessarily have any special language, tools, resources. Just use that self-reflection and check in as a great place to start, making sure your own strengths are leveraged every day as well. Next, we want to take a look at the third component of empowerment, recognition. In the context of trauma-informed workplaces, recognition refers to the practice of acknowledging and appreciating efforts, achievements, and contributions within the organization or within your team. It involves acknowledging others' hard work, dedication, and performance to reinforce positive behaviors, cultural values, and to motivate. When we think about recognition as it relates to empowerment, recognition validates the value an individual brings to the group. So when individuals receive acknowledgement or appreciation for their strengths, their progress, their contribution to the team, the mission, the goal, it boosts their self-esteem, self-worth, and belief in their ability to overcome challenges. I want to say that again, belief in their ability to overcome challenges. So what you may be picking up on is empowerment is kind of the resilience principle when it comes to trauma-informed workplaces. And resilience, resilience is something we talk about a lot at work and in life. And resilience is really key as it relates to trauma recovery and being trauma-informed. But the thing about resilience is resilience, you don't just magically manifest resilience. Resilience is a skill. Resilience has to be built. Um, and that's a building resilience is tough because you have to go through challenges, but you have to go through challenges in a way where you have the space, the tools, the resources, to overcome challenges. So empowerment is really key here when we get to creating choice, strengths, leverage, recognition. Again, we're looking at this principle as a way to really, you know, powerfully kind of creating that sense of self, that sense of resilience, building that resilience muscle in the context of the workplace. So it gets really exciting because this is a way that the workplace can actually be a meaningful source of, you know, skill building and inspiration when it comes to trauma recovery. And, you know, you think about how many people talk about 
the value of having purpose or having a job and being able to contribute and how much meaning that provides them in various stages in their lives and in their experiences. Workplaces really are a key component of who we are. It, you know, it's not all of who we are, but they're a key component of our lives and how we contribute to our society, to our families, to ourselves. And so having that meaning tied to our work is really key. Recognition gives us that opportunity to have it be spoken, to have it be visible and show that it's visible to others, not just ourselves, how we're contributing, how we're providing, how are we helping create value, how we're helping push forward meaningful action. Another great thing about recognition is recognition is another one of those things that is tied to amazing research around employee satisfaction and engagement. You know, leaders who provide high levels of recognition, meaningful recognition. That's another thing we we should probably talk about. Leaders who are rated in the top 10% for providing recognition are in the 70th percentile as it relates to overall employee engagement. Let's go back to my point I made about meaningful recognition. This is a big one here because I think a lot of times people know that they should provide recognition to their team members, to their colleagues, but it, it becomes something that feels a little check the box. They're not sure how to approach it. And interestingly enough, some of the same rules that apply to providing constructive feedback actually also apply to giving actually meaningful recognition. And you're probably going, man, what? But it'll make a lot of sense as I explain it further. So specific appreciation, just like specific feedback, is far more meaningful than general comments. So when we recognize someone, describe the specific event or an action and the impact it had, it's also really important to be timely as it relates to recognition. So the sooner the better and the more likely it will hold value for the recipient of that recognition. Frequency also counts um, as long as those, again, the recognition is sincere and meaningful. There's no harm in being a bit effusive with your praise and getting practice delivering and helping your team getting used to hearing it. We talked a little bit about it in terms of the collaboration principle and positional power. You know, if you're not sure about how often you're praising people, you know, it's okay to praise in private too. If you have folks that you want to give feedback to, but you don't want to create a sense of favoritism or hot takes, some people are really uncomfortable um, receiving praise or recognition in public. So I am a big believer in asking what your team members, what your colleagues prefer when it comes to recognition and appreciation. Um, And then that way you can make sure you're matching what their preferences, what they prefer. So you can really provide the most genuine, the most meaningful 
recognition possible. Have fun with recognition. This is something where you can really get very genuine, make it very personalized, uh, make it genuine for yourself and also in consideration of the person receiving recognition. You know, it can be face-to-face, over the phone, could write a nice email or even a written note. Sometimes it's super special to have a written note or a written card um, and kind of creates a little memento or something meaningful for someone to hold on to. Even homemade trophies or small gifts, you know, something maybe even a little silly can have an amazing impact. Really, it's about taking the time and making the effort to show someone they're appreciated and to show sh- someone they're contributions are meaningful. I remember when I was working at Gallup, we had these great quarterly sessions where there were awards given out from the companies. There's recognition provided overall, but then we as individuals were encouraged to provide recognition. And it was kind of a a fun thing where people would make, you know, little tokens. And I, I did at one time made little like frame certificates for some of my team members to convey my sense of appreciation. And it was small, but it was so powerful. And I think the power there was a lot of organizations engage in awards provided by the company or the team overall, but that peer-to-peer recognition is so meaningful, so powerful, even just the time to write a quick handwritten note. Um, to say thank you, to say, hey, this is meaningful to me, is really powerful. And I know um, if you're someone like me, sometimes you like to hang on to that information, whether it's an email, handwritten note, and I encourage you to do so. And when you're having a tough day, maybe you you need a little help calling on your resilience, go back and take a look at some of those nice things. And it can be really a powerful way to boost your own resilience, boost that sense of self-efficacy and contribution. The last aspect we'll talk about as it relates to empowerment as a principle of trauma-informed workplace cultures is growth. You're probably not super surprised to hear we want to talk about growth as it relates to the workplace. What's important to point out, though, is growth means different things to different people. But growth is all important. According to a 2022 Microsoft Work Trend Index, 76% of employees say they'd stay at their company longer if they could benefit from more learning and development support. People want to grow and continue to expand their skill sets, their knowledge, their abilities. It's important to talk, though, when we talk about growth at work, when we talk about development, people often jump to the conclusion that people are talking about getting promoted or advancing in their career. Absolutely, that counts. But that is not the only way individuals can grow and that you can support individual growth in the workplace. So I think it's really important that, of course, promotions, kind of climbing that career ladder or career jungle gym, however you want to think about it, is absolutely part of growth as it relates to empowerment, but it's also more than that. And I think this is what's really important and key here is a lot of organizations have learning and development, growth programs, growth initiatives, and they're often very focused on high potentials, you know, newer employees, people who they want to grow and build into that next level or have them on track for promotion. That's great work. That's important work for a variety of reasons. 
including supporting growth as a trauma-informed workplace. However, we can't overlook everyone else. Everyone else has to have an opportunity to continue to learn and grow. That may be in role, that may be in a different role at a similar level, or maybe an opportunity to grow and learn just from an enrichment standpoint, or grow and learn outside of the workplace. The idea is really to focus on how fostering growth can acknowledge potential for post-traumatic growth. It can focus on how we all can continue to learn and grow and change throughout our lives and evolve through positive psychological changes. And this can include increased personal strength, a deeper sense of purpose, enhanced relationships. It's so important for us to receive that feedback and that opportunity in the workplace to see that we have potential, that we are able to continue to learn and grow and evolve as humans. I love talking about this. I love talking about neuroplasticity because I think it gets to talking about how folks used to believe you can't teach an old dog new tricks and that couldn't be further from the truth of the matter. Our brains continue to grow and learn and evolve throughout our lives. And the workplace is such an amazing way to highlight that, enhance that, and showcase that. So a few ways organizations can foster growth in the workplace, offering high-quality training and education in either internally or providing external resources. There's nothing wrong with external resources to support areas of interest or growth for your team members. Creating clear transparent and equitable pathways to career advancement and cycles for relevant reciprocal feedback and ongoing development. Another way you can support growth is by supporting those external growth opportunities for individuals on your team. For example, think about a customer service representative on your team or within your organization, and they've decided they'd like to pursue a college degree. This isn't a requirement for the role. However, your organization supports the growth efforts and provides tuition assistance and adjusts the schedule to better fit that individual's classes so they're able to grow. This individual feels supported and empowered and is much likely to be a better team member and to stay with the organization in the future, perhaps in a different role, but still within that role. So sometimes creating growth for employees or is about supporting growth and making space and providing resources for individuals to explore additional avenues where they would like to grow and learn inside or outside of the workplace. Remember, there are so many different ways to promote growth for your team. And we're talking about this as it relates to empowerment. So don't forget about choice. That key component of choice, how someone moves forward with their own growth or personal development is also really important to that overall sense of empowerment. So overall, we've covered the four components of empowerment as it relates to being a trauma-informed principle. They are choice, strengths leverage, recognition, and growth. It is a lot And empowerment really is a juicy, meaty principle, and it's a really important one. 
It's also exciting because I think it is a great place for organizations, team members, leaders to start their trauma-informed journey. And more likely than not, you're probably already doing some of this work because a lot of the work as it relates to empowerment is really vital the success of the employees and the organization overall already. So we will absolutely be revisiting the concept of empowerment and each of the four components in the future. But today we're really just kind of focused on that overview and understanding of how empowerment connects in to trauma-informed workplaces. As always, it's wonderful to have you joining us for these conversations. Until next time, be well.